welcome to the Herodotus Podcast. This is Episode 1, Introduction. What do a magic ring, an army defeated by mice, and a poet rescued from pirates by a dolphin have in common with the rise of the Persian Empire and the Battle of Thermopylae? Unlikely as it may seem, all these things appear in the same book, The Histories, by the ancient Greek historian Herodotus. The Histories was inspired by a massive war some 25 centuries ago, a series of conflicts between the Persian Empire and a coalition of Greek city-states. These culminated in two invasions of Greece by Persian forces, the second of which saw the city of Athens burned to the ground. Greek victory was unlikely. The Persian Empire was powerful and vast, stretching from the shores of the Aegean Sea, modern-day Turkey in the west, all the way to Afghanistan in the east, from Egypt in the south to the Crimean Peninsula in the north. The city-states of the Greeks, by comparison, were tiny and disunited, factionalized by political and cultural differences. And yet, an alliance of Greek city-states, led by Athens, was twice able to hold off the Persians, albeit by the slimmest of margins. The long conflict was the most momentous event to happen to the Greeks in living memory. Herodotus, who was born in its later years, understood its importance and saw it as worthy of commemoration, and so he wrote the histories, a text even more massive than the war itself. This is the first episode of a podcast series in which I will discuss the entirety of Herodotus's histories. Each episode, I'll shed light on a section of the text. I'll provide context and commentary, highlighting the connections with other authors and historical events. I'll also take a look at depictions of events or ideas from the text in other media, whether that's fiction, television, cinema, or even art. Why? Well, I'll make a more comprehensive argument for Herodotus in a moment, but for the time being, I'll just say that not only has Herodotus shaped how we view the world today, his writing is also both fascinating and fun. The histories is long. One recent translation is nearly 700 pages. But my goal in this podcast is to act as a kind of Herodotus Sherpa, to guide us along as we scale the mountain, pointing out the footholds and scenic vistas along the way. I want to bring the histories to life, so that those of you who might not have read Herodotus, or perhaps have some hazy memories of him from college, can share in the delights of this rich, captivating text. The Histories is far more than just a dry narrative of names and dates. In fact, the Greco-Persian Wars, as they are known, only take up half the text. Herodotus uses them as a starting point to consider the issue of Persia versus Greece, of East versus West, and in so doing, tries to get to the bottom of the larger related question, why did the Greeks and Persians come into conflict in the first place? To address this question, he broadens the chronological and geographical scope of his inquiry immensely, both back in time and farther afield in space. As a result, the histories is not just a simple narrative. It's also a woolly, overstuffed collection of colorful anecdotes, character portraits, and vivid details. In addition to debates and battles, Herodotus includes stories of love and murder, of hair's breadth escapes and tragic destinies. In short, the histories is just as entertaining as it is informative. Why look to Herodotus? First of all, the historian and his work represent a number of important firsts 
Most importantly, Herodotus is generally considered to be the first Greek historian. That does not mean that he was the first Greek to write down things that happened in the past, but rather the first Greek who thought about matters of the past with something approaching a modern historian's mindset. Consider this question for a moment. What does it mean to be a historian? One reasonable answer would be to use evidence, such as primary sources, physical remains, and testimony from eyewitnesses in order to weave together a narrative of past events. A historian uses such evidence to construct a logical sequence of cause and effect, explaining how and why those past events happened. Being a historian is therefore distinct from compiling lists of events, or from talking about the past only in terms of myth or legend. To write history is to try to get at some objective sense of not just what happened in the past, but also why. And Herodotus was the first writer to do, well, something like that. There are two major ways in which Herodotus' approach differs from that of modern historians. The first is in his scope. As I mentioned earlier, his work is incredibly expansive, far more so than a historical text written today would ever be. For example, to delve into the origins of the enmity between the Greeks and Persians, Herodotus looks backward to the first Eastern ruler to subjugate the Greeks, King Croesus of Lydia, with whom we will spend much time at the start of this podcast, and in so doing, relates events that take place about 50 years before the start of the Greco-Persian Wars. To fully introduce Croesus, however, Herodotus prefaces his story by leaping backward another 150 years to the beginning of Croesus' family dynasty. Throughout the histories, Herodotus includes details and stories that are, at best, loosely connected to the topic at hand. Indeed, at times, it seems as though he repeats a tenuously linked story only because it's too good to pass up telling. Imagine a historian of the First World War excitedly relating extravagant tales of the court of Louis XIV as background to discussing the Treaty of Versailles. The connection is there, but it isn't exactly relevant. This extreme inclusivity is one reason for the history's immense length. The other way Herodotus differs from a modern historian is in how he uses evidence. Just as a modern historian would, Herodotus relies on a great deal of evidence. Throughout the histories, he routinely cites the sources of his information, whether these be monuments, physical objects, or witnesses, both specified and unspecified. He also takes pains to demonstrate his analytical rigor, such as by offering multiple explanations of an event or phenomenon before declaring that one is less plausible than the other, or, indeed, that he doesn't believe either. And while Herodotus makes conspicuous shows of his methodical judgment, he sometimes leaves multiple, mutually exclusive explanations to remain side by side in the text without offering up any opinion on them. As a result, he sometimes reproduces without comments claims that are, to put it mildly, hard to believe. For example, when discussing the history of Egypt, Herodotus cites the authority of Egyptian priests that he spoke to, or at least claims to have spoken to, but does so in order to record obviously impossible stories about Egyptian history. Likewise, Herodotus makes much of having gone to Egypt to see things for himself, but writes about monuments that couldn't have existed, 
and have no basis in the archaeological record. It's truly strange that such gestures towards what we would consider objective history exist within the same text that chronicles the discovery of a 12-foot-long corpse and the existence of gold-digging ants in India, and one which reproduces numerous dreams, oracles, and portents that successfully predict the future, among many other impossibilities. Herodotus, then, can be seen as a first step in the direction of modern history writing. It's important to stress that even when Herodotus records facts or stories that strike us as laughably false, he does so to make sense of the information available to him. It's that attempting at sense-making, however imperfect, that strikes me as his most modern characteristic. That said, it's not only modern readers, with the benefit of two millennia of hindsight, who have looked askance at Herodotus's writings. In antiquity, too, Herodotus was known for spreading fake news. Famously, Cicero, the Roman statesman, orator, and man of letters, called Herodotus the father of history, but added in the very same sentence that Herodotus's writings contain, quote, countless inventions. Furthermore, the Greek writer Plutarch, who lived about 500 years after the historian, wrote an essay titled On the Malice of Herodotus. In it, Plutarch accuses Herodotus of systematic bias in favor of the Athenians whom, Plutarch argues, rewarded Herodotus with a lavish cash gift as thanks for portraying them in so positive a light. Herodotus is especially scoffed at when compared with his perceived successor, the Athenian historian Thucydides, whose account of the Peloponnesian Wars between Athens and Sparta later in the 5th century is seen as a far more modern, more scientific, work of history. Herodotus nevertheless remains vitally important. As the first person to systematically write about the relationship between the Greek West and the Persian East, his work has been the lens through which so many in the West have viewed both European and non-European civilizations. Herodotus has also played an important role, and not always a positive one, in the historical discussion of race. He reflects the ancient belief that geographical factors directly affect physical characteristics. In addition, his portrayal of Persia has tinged the Western perception of the Middle East for centuries, from the Renaissance all the way up through the orientalized peoples of Game of Thrones. Yes, the histories is subjective, messy, and often reveals itself as the work of a writer who preferred spinning a good yarn over telling the strict truth. And yet, it isn't part Herodotus's skill at storytelling that has made the histories so captivating, and has kept the text percolating in the modern consciousness for so long. One need look no further than, for example, the popularity of the graphic novel and movie 300, which rely on Herodotus's account of the Battle of Thermopylae for proof of that skill. I look forward to reading the histories with you and discussing the details, implications, and consequences of this remarkable text. One more brief thing. Who am I? My name is Ted Graham, and I'm a teacher and classicist in New York City. I've read, written, and thought about Herodotus for years. I'm excited to explore the histories with you. 
I see the podcast format as the perfect way of breaking down the histories so that Herodotus's rich and varied storytelling can reach as wide an audience as possible, and so that, together, we can trace the long shadow that it casts over so many elements of European and Near Eastern culture. Each episode, I will explore a chunk of text with you. The length of the episode will depend on how much there is to highlight in each chunk. As it happens, for next time, I'll be talking about a single sentence, probably the only time in the podcast when I'll focus so intently on only one sentence. But it's a doozy, the opening of the entire histories, in which Herodotus lays out his subject matter, his goal, and his philosophy. See you next time on the Herodotus Podcast. Oh,